You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about Grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. I have an agenda today. I have an agenda. And I'm willing to bet you have an agenda. If you're here today, you have an agenda of why you're here, what I mean, everybody here has an agenda, right? You're like, you're here because you want to make your girlfriend think you actually like Jesus. Maybe that's your agenda. Uh, you're here because your wife made you, you're here because your mom made you, you're here because your dad, whatever. You're like you're here in this space today uh, because you have some sort of agenda. Some agendas are probably good, some maybe slightly nefarious, knowing my audience. But we all have an agenda. And we have an agenda, Grace, the church, we have an agenda for this series. We're about to start a new series. Can you guess what our new series is on? Oh, wow. Yes, on John. And so we have, we have an agenda for this series. And our agenda would be that we become more equipped to live as a church that truly believes that everyone needs Jesus and everyone's our responsibility. That's our agenda. And we believe and we hope that, that we will learn to, um, to better grow and to know and to give and to serve and to praise. That's our agenda. And when I say that, what I mean is uh, our agenda is that you would grow in your knowledge of God through this, that you would grow in your understanding of Jesus Christ, that you would grow in what the Bible tells you and what you're meant to do in this world. We hope that happens. We also hope you grow in being known. That's why we do connect group signups. Our hope, our agenda is that every single person here would be connected to someone in here, that we'd all join a connect group. So that's our agenda. And we hope that through this series, you become known by people and you, and, you, and you are able to know people. And our hope is that as people are growing and knowing, they become more equipped to give and to serve and to praise, to go and do the things that the church is supposed to do. So we have an agenda for this series, and I think it's fair that you know it on the front end. Because if you're going somewhere, if you're taking a journey, don't you want to know where you're going? And can you imagine getting on a plane and the pilot says, uh, I don't know exactly where we're going but we're going to fly around for a little while and we'll just kind of see what happens. And what would you do? You'd kind of be freaked out, right? No one orders an Uber and just says, just take me wherever, I guess. I mean, t- typically when, when you're going, so you want to know where you're going. I, w- I remember I was on a plane one time. We were flying to, um, oh, uh, we were flying to Las Vegas. <laughs> this was a long time ago and it was a, um, it was a Bible com- conference. <laughs> and, they, and so... Um, but I remember being on that plane, and uh, I remember the pilot, as we were going, he was like, hey, if you look to the right, you see, you know, the Grand Canyon or whatever. But, but, like, had he not had an agenda, he wouldn't have known where to tell us to look along the way, right? But when you know where you're going, you can kind of tell people what to watch for as you're going there. And so we have an agenda, and so I'm telling you the agenda, and you can decide whether or not you trust it. And if you trust it, take the journey. If you don't trust it, then this might be a good time to, de- to deboard the plane, Right? And, and I want you guys to know this. John, the author of the book, has an agenda. John has an agenda for us. And it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a God-given agenda. We're going to talk about it today. If you come to, we're having a class tonight. If you come tonight, you'll hear us talk about it more. But, but John has a God-given agenda for the book that he's writing. And it's, an, it's entirely true. The fact that he has an agenda doesn't mean it's not true. Everything in the book of John is true. Everything in the book of John, we believe, is divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. But divine inspiration is not the same thing as possession. You all understand that? Like if I'm divinely inspired, it means the Spirit is speaking to me and working through me and taking my experiences, my personality, and he's using them. Possession is if someone takes over your hand and you can't control it or whatever, you know, bah. That's possession. John was inspired. 
Now, it's all true, but John has a unique perspective and a unique God-given agenda, and we need to know it. If we're going to take a journey with John, we should know where he's going and what he wants. I mean, you read, you read the other Gospels, and they're all a little different, right? Like Matthew. Matthew has an agenda, and Matthew's agenda is that, is that Jewish people might know that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. That's one of Matthew's main agendas. And so when you read Matthew, you should understand there's an agenda. Luke. You read Luke. Luke has an agenda. Luke is like, I set out to write an orderly account for my boy Theopolis. And so Luke has an agenda that he would write an orderly account for his friend Theopolis. And he's got his own perspective. And they're all true. I mean, you've got four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have four people telling the stories. And even though sometimes the stories are slightly different, they're all true. You know how you know if four people are lying? They all tell the exact same story. That's called collusion, right? Yeah, if you're a teacher, you know this. You get four kids and they all have the same story, liars. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's different perspectives because these are divinely inspired humans. God didn't hand down gold tablets and say, John, put these in the book. It's God working through. The Bible in, in this beautiful mystery is the perfect mix of fully human and fully divine. Hmm, sounds familiar. Almost Christ-like. And so it's inspired and it's true, but John has an agenda. John tells less stories than the other guys. He tells less stories than, than Luke or, or Matthew, but he slows down and sort of really gives you the emotion of the moment, you know? When John said, like, if, if, if you ask, let's say you ask me and Chrissy to tell you the same story, and uh, Chrissy, we might talk about a movie we went to. And I would say, we went to a movie, it was at 7 o'clock, we had a good time. Now, Christy might say, oh, the room smelled like blah, 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 and, you know, and, and, and I, the emotion, like she might describe a little more of what was going on. They're both true, but they're different perspectives. John is a more emotional perspective of the truth. I had this, um, this picture that I took of Kenley. I got a, I got a tiger when I was seven. Uh, his, he was a stuffed tiger. I got a stuffed tiger, I should say that. <laughs> Was it Siegfried? But I got a, a stuffed tiger when I was seven, and his name was Tigger. And uh, Tigger went with me through a bunch of hard times. And then as Kinley, my daughter got about five or six, my mom gave Kinley the tiger that my mom had kept. And so we have this picture of Kinley holding Tigger. And that picture is true, and it's right, and it's beautiful. But then I gave that picture to my friend Gary Alexander. And Gary Alexander did a painting of that picture. Still true. Neither one of them are actually Kinley holding the tiger. They're pictures, they're perspectives. But the, the perspective that Gary painted, because it was watercolor, there's more emotion and there's more life. This, John, is like a beautiful painting of the truth. And it's gorgeous and it's deep and it's full of passion and full of emotion and it's just rich, rich biblical work. And so I hope that, that this is the way we approach it. And John ends his book by telling you what his motive has been the whole time. John 20, 30. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, meaning it's all, everything John has just written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you may have life in his name. John has a motive. The motive, put that one back up there for me if you don't mind. And that it is that, that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing in him, you will have life in his name. This dude has an agenda. 
If you are wanting a passive reporter just watching and telling you what's going on, John's not your guy. Um, I would say John has... Uh, <laughs> when's the last time you actually saw a passive reporter just telling you the truth, by the way? But, but John, John has a clear agenda right there that you might know that Jesus is the Messiah and is the Son of God. And John's passionate, right? He spent, John, we believe that the, the guy who wrote this, we believe is a man, John, son of Zebedee. We believe that he is a firsthand witness to Jesus Christ, that this guy, John, actually spent time walking around with Jesus. Now, Luke didn't do that. And, and so if you had spent time walking around with Jesus and then you get to tell somebody about Jesus, would you tell them like, yes, I met Jesus on the third day of the week and blah, blah, and we walked. No, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I got a friend and you got to meet him. Like, I got this Jesus, and, and I want to tell you. And so when you're reading John, you are reading from the perspective of someone who has a friend that they want you to meet, and they have an agenda for you meeting that friend, and they're highly passionate about it. And so what some of you are going to have to do, matter of fact, raise your hand if you are a literal, uh, linear, logical thinker. Just raise your hand. It's okay. Just raise your hand. There's typically not many of them who choose to come to this church for obvious reasons. Okay, we got a few. This is what I want you to do with that linear logic. I want you to take it. I want, seriously, just take it like this and just stuff it down and cram it down. Okay? And you can use your brain in this, but to get what John wants you to get, you're going to have to use your heart too. You have to let yourself go a little bit. Have a little emotion. Be in the moment. John, in that same verse, he said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, but they're not recorded in my book. You know what he's saying? You want all the other stuff? Go read Luke. Luke wrote it all down. He said, but I only wrote down some selected stories. Why? Because I want you to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Messiah and that through him you will have life. It's all about an agenda. John 20, 21, or John 21, 24, this is cool too. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose even the whole world could not have room for the books that would be written. All right, what, what John just did, he's saying, yes, I'm going to give you a beautiful uh, emotional perspective, but it's all true. Everything I'm telling you, there's a whole community of people who will verify that what I'm saying is truth. Yes, I'm saying it maybe a little, little cooler way than Matthew or a little different way than Luke, but everything I am saying is truth stamped by a community of people who saw what I saw. And so, yeah, it's beautiful, but this isn't like reading, you know, um, I don't know, Huck Finn or something. It's good literature, but that's not true. This is true and beautiful. And so it's this amazing combination. And why does he just pick out some stories and not others? So that you will believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through that you will have life. And John's going to do some really cool things in this and because John is going to invite you as you, and I hope, my hope is you guys will start reading this this week and again, join groups. But as you, as you begin to read John, watch for some things. He's going to invite you to look beyond the obvious. So if you're going to read John by just reading the words and then checking the mark in your I read the John journal book and then going on about your life, you're going to miss out. Because John is going to invite you to go beyond the obvious. John is going to say something and what he wants you to do is just marinate on it for a little bit. Just kind of Hmm, not, not like wine. That's like, like a wine glass, but that's not what I meant. John just wants you to marinate on it. Like just let it soak into your brain for a little bit, okay? And so with that said, let's meet the person who John wants us to meet. And I want you guys to watch for something cool. 
And if I was introducing you to a human, I would call their proper name pretty quick. Like, you know, if I was like, hey guys, this is Rusty. I wouldn't first call you 17 different things and then say, this is Rusty. I want you to watch how John introduces Jesus. This is John 1.1. I love this part of the Bible too. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, I love that. In the beginning was the Word, all right? And the Word was with God. By the way, anyone who heard this or read this, when your first words are in the beginning, do you know what they'd originally, a good Jewish boy, what would they think of? Genesis. And so what John is saying right off the bat is, this is as important as that. What I'm writing here is as important as what you read in Genesis. This is a massive claim that John is making, that this word, this uppercase proper noun word, this is as important as what you read in the beginning. And he makes two statements about this word. He said the word was with God. All right, I can be with Rusty, right? To be with you means that we're together, like, you know, like I'm here and you're there, right? And then he says something else, though. He says the word was God. Now, I am rusty. <laughs> see, see the difference? <laughs> you see the difference between teaming with you and I am you. It's very different, isn't it? And so John, the, what, what, what the word is, what John is saying is that this word, this, this uppercase proper noun word, that he is with God as in proximity to, accompanying not God, but with God. Like when I speak a word out of my mouth, my words are not me. They are detached from me, but they came from me. And he's saying, so this word is separate from God, but one with God. He, he just knocked out the Trinity in the first paragraph. Like, dude, you got to ease us into these things, John. Like for the love, I mean, you know, something about the, what was going on around you, a little character development. He just jumps into it and says, Jesus is God. And he's distinct from God. He's one with God, but different from God, but the same as God. And everyone going, oh yeah, that makes sense, John. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's amazing. And everyone reading would have connected this whole thing with Genesis. It's like Genesis 2.0. And then, and, then, and then he says right here, he says in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So in this word, who is with God, but also God, in him is life. Now, why would John talk about life that early in his book? What's his agenda? That you would believe that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, so that you might have life. He's reiterating his agenda Early, and he's going to do it over and over and over and over again. And so John goes on, and he begins to reframe this idea of God for the world. Guys, this is so, I mean, like, to, to say, all right, to talk to a group of people and say, no, I know you thought God was this, but really God is a father, and he's a son, and he's the Holy Spirit, and he's three distinct, unique beings who are all one. And he's going to do this again in John 17. You're going to see this several times. This is a big thing John is taking on. And so we have to approach it with our mind open and our heart open because John is making some bold claims about the word who he has not yet called Jesus. John 1.5 
says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And then he gets to this part and he says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So it sounds like what John is saying to me is that this word went out into the world and separated the light from the dark. Have y'all ever heard anything like that anywhere else in the Bible? Where God spoke a word over darkness and then there was, where is that in the Bible? Anyone know? Genesis. I just happen to have it here. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So God spoke a word and light separated from darkness. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. I mean, do y'all see what's going on here? What John is saying is this, and we have to get this. I know you're like, no, no, I got, no, maybe not. That this Jesus is one with God and he is God and he was there in the beginning. And this story that we are reading is just as important as this Genesis story. And at the time and place this was written and delivered, this would have been a massive claim. And I think maybe we've almost heard it so much that we stop and lose the magnificence and the glory and the beauty of what John is trying to communicate here. Detach yourself from your, I've heard that before, and open up your heart and allow John to do a new work. Because what he's saying here is absolutely gorgeous. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is a different John, okay? So in the first chapter, John is not trying to confuse anyone, but he's talked about the Trinity, and now he's talking about a different John, even though he's John and he's not the same John. Got it? As long as we're all clear. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to bear witness to the light. Okay, so that's John writing about John the Baptist, and we'll talk about John the Baptist next week. But this next part of John may be my favorite section of the Bible right here. It is so gorgeous and so full. Just, just listen. This is John 1.9. We're still in chapter 1. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be children of God, children born not of natural descent or human decision or of a husband's will, but born of God. Leave that up there for me. Okay. So he comes into the world, right? And the world doesn't recognize him. Why? Because he's light and he's come into a world of darkness. And the darkness doesn't recognize him. And he says, the, the world didn't know me, but for those who do know me, for those who will understand who I am, I give you the right to be born again, not of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I give you the right to be reborn. I give you, what's another word for reborn? I give you life. Why is he talking about life again? Because he's got an agenda. Right. That's amazing. Thank you. And his agenda is, I don't know who said that, but that was good. His agenda is that you would know that he was the son of God and the Messiah and that through that you would have life. I'm not sure if it's happened yet. But there is life available for those who know God. And that's his agenda. And now here comes the kicker for me. This is my favorite. All right, so in Matthew, when Matthew tells the birth story of Jesus, does anyone know where he starts? Anyone? 
a lineage. He starts with a lineage. He starts with a listing of humans and blah, 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 right? Boom. And so he starts with a lineage of Jewish people so that you will understand that Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah in the lineage of Abraham. When, when Luke tells the birth story of Jesus, where does Luke start? Starts with a cousin, right? Starts with a cousin and what was going on in that situation. And then he works his way over to Mary and then he gets to the, to the birth of Jesus. When John tells the story of the birth, y'all wanna hear something beautiful? Listen to this. This is John's birth story of Jesus the Christ. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. You hear that? You hear the difference in the birth? Now, are they all true? Absolutely. But John's birth story is so full of imagery and poetry and beauty. It's completely true, but it's completely beautiful in a way that should move your emotions in a way that the others might not. To understand that when Jesus came into the world, it was the word of God, the very divine will of God, taking on flesh and coming into the world to dwell among us. That birth story should move your heart. If it doesn't, read it again. Read it again and read it over and over and sit with it and let it marinate and ask that the Holy Spirit would open your heart and open your mind that you might receive truth, that you might understand beauty, that your heart might actually see this new. You know why we become bored and stale in church? Not that any of y'all need to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This is why I become bored and stale in church. It's because we're reading this like a history book or we're not reading it at all instead of letting the God of the universe, the lover of our soul, unleash something in us. Like, have a heart while you're reading this. If this bores you, put it down and pick up something else. Because this is too good to be boring. It's too good. It's too passionate. It's too alive. It's too real. John is telling you something so beautiful and so full of love. And so I hope that, that you'll take this journey. But I hope you'll do it with your eyes open and your heart open. I think it's easy... Um, in this world to just get so bogged down, man, when we miss it. And some of you guys, I know some of your stories. There's great pain in your life, right? There's great pain. And there's a million distractions. There's all these, there's, you know how many things would love to steal your attention from the book of John over the next month? Even now, it's so easy to be distracted. It doesn't, none of it matters. What matters is what God wants to speak to you through this word. And so you're going to have to use your imagination, which is going to be hard for some people, you're going to have to not, I mean, if you want to diagram the sentences of the book of John, then uh, nerd, that's on you. But for the love, man, just let it soak in. Like, just let it soak in. Let it soak in. Read it as if the very lover of your soul is unleashing something in you. And you can't do this without God. And so fortunately, we don't, I mean, the truth is, guys, I, and, and like, I used to put a lot of pressure on myself with messages and stuff. Like, I, I want to get them to believe this, and I want to get them to, I can't get you to believe or see anything. The truth is, the sheep will know when the shepherd calls their voice. And so my hope is that for those who are sheep, you're going to hear from the shepherd. But the only way you will hear from the shepherd is if you have given your life to the shepherd. And so today when we celebrate communion, we don't just take bread and juice and just walk through it. We don't try to figure out literally exactly how all this works. We just believe that something is happening. 
something mysterious, something unique, something that goes beyond our human nature. And so when Christ was at that table, he got with his disciples and he took a loaf of bread like this and he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body which I'm giving to you so that you might hear when I call your name. And after the supper was over, he took a cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you drink this, you remember me and what I've done for you. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we declare this mystery of faith that says Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. God, all the other things fade away. All the other things fade away, God. Lord, for every person in this room right now, it's just you and them. It's just me and you. And there's peace at your table, God. And there's hope at your table and there's joy at your table. And so, God, we're asking you as we, as we take this journey to speak, God, I don't know the individual agendas of everyone in the room. I have no idea. But I believe you are the king, and I believe your agenda is greater. So God, speak to us. As we prepare our hearts for the body and the blood, and speak to us. God, please don't let this just be an intellectual. Please don't just let this be an intellectual experience. Open our hearts so that we might be changed. God, we love you, and we trust you. And so we prepare to open our hearts to a new word from you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.